Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Thanks for coming. Uh, welcome those of you who are in our East service worshiping and those of you who are tuning in online. Welcome. All right, this is the final week of our four-week vision series looking out toward 2022. And this is true. No matter who you are, every single one of us will either be more like Jesus or less like Jesus at the end of the year than we are right now. All of us will either be more in love with Jesus in December or our hearts will be colder toward him in December. And our goal as a church, and my goal as your pastor, is to give you every opportunity for us to be more like Jesus, for us to be more in love with Jesus this year. Right? Two weeks ago, we looked at Philippians chapter 2 and a way to become more like Jesus. We looked at the, the fundamental characteristic of being a Christian is humility. Right? You cannot become a Christian without humility. You cannot grow in a healthy way without humility. And according to Philippians chapter 2, the path to humility is through serving. And so for many of you, the easiest and most profound way that you can become more like Jesus in 2022 is to find a place to serve. We call that CCC and one. Then last week, we looked at Colossians chapter 3 and how to fall more deeply in love with Jesus. Right? We had uh, Pastor Zach talked about biblical community, and I loved his definition of biblical community, which is experiencing God through relationship with other people. Experiencing God through relationship with other people. And Zach said our, our hearts are a little bit like a a bucket full of water, like the love of God cascades into us, and that's when we become a Christian. But all of us leak over time. We need different people, different uh, situations, different worship to add into us, to remind us of his love all the time. And here at Christ Community Chapel, uh, the easiest way to get involved with biblical community is through what we call circles. We call that CCC and two. All right, so this message is all about CCC and 3. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1, or pull out your phone or your tablet. Remember this year I, I said we want to all have our Bibles with us, so you can either bring your Bible or just download a version of the Bible on your phone. Uh, they're free. Then you can just follow along with whoever's preaching. All right, Philippians chapter 1 is the passage we just had read to us. All right? So let me, uh, I'm going to pull three points out of the, the verses 27 through 30. And uh, if you are uh, one who takes notes, this is, these are my three points. 
if you just want to have know where I'm going, uh, these are the three points. The first point is this. Your life makes a sound. Your life makes a sound. Number two, we are on a mission from God. We are on a mission from God. And then number three, don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear stop you. So first, your life makes a sound. We're on a mission from God. Don't let fear stop you. First, your life makes a sound. Look at verse 27. Paul says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What Paul says is, uh, I'm going to hear something about you. I'm going to hear of your life. And it's like Paul is saying, when I hear what I hear, make sure it's this and not that. But Paul is sure he's going to hear it. A couple things I want you to know. First is that sound travels. Sound travels. Paul is in Rome. He's in prison, actually, in Rome. Philippi is 800 miles away. This is before social media before the internet, before telephones. And still, Paul says, when you live your life, I will hear about you eventually. This is what's true for you. You would be shocked at how many people talk about you behind your back. <laughs> you really would. How many people know something about you? You don't even know the people, but they know something about you. I go for walks around my neighborhood uh, in the early morning. It's one of the ways, the times that I take to pray. I pray for you guys. I pray for my neighbors. And I was out walking maybe three weeks ago. And uh, it was like 5.30 in the morning, still dark. I'm all bundled up. A car pulls up next to me and a lady rolls her window down. Right? She's a lady that lives on the other side of my neighborhood. I've never met her that I know of. She rolls down her window and says, hey, Mr. Coffee, how's your dad? And I was going, what? And she said, yeah, I, I noticed you and your dad were walking in the summer, and I haven't seen him. How's he doing? So I had this conversation with this lady. Now, I know that I have a little bit higher profile in our community than uh, some of you. But still, you need to know that people are watching you. People are hearing about you. People are talking about you. Your life makes a sound, and that sound travels. The second thing I want you to know is your life can make different sounds. There are three different sounds that your life could be making as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. First is no sound. Second is an expected sound. Third is a surprising sound. First, when I say no sound, I know that every life makes a sound, but when I say no sound, I mean your life is making the same sound as everyone else's. I mean, there's no real discernible difference of the, in the way that you live your life and the way that somebody who is not a follower of Jesus, lives their life. You talk about the same things. You spend your money on the same stuff. You just act the same way. In fact, if the truth be told, no one really knows that you're a follower of Jesus. No one at your work, no one in your, in your school, or in, in your class, or on your team, or in your neighborhood. No one really knows, right? And this is the thing. When your life is making that kind of sound, the same as everyone... Oh, and notice this. I didn't say that no one knew that you went to church. I said no one knows that you are a follower of Jesus. Those are two different things. I was watching football last weekend. Great games, by the way. Holy cow. All right. 
but I was watching the, the Rams play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The best receiver for the Rams is a guy named Cooper Cup, which is a great name, right? If I could do my name over, that would be my name. <laughs> but Cooper Cup, I, I looked him up on Wikipedia because I didn't know much about him. And in his personal life, the very first sentence when describing his personal life, it says this, Cooper Cup is a committed Christian. Cooper Cup is a committed, right there in Wikipedia. How did they know? Well, the answer is Cooper told him. Right, which is pretty gutsy to do when you are in the spotlight. What he was saying is, I want you to know this about me, and I want you to watch me. I want you to listen to my life, right? Chuck Colson, uh, who's a guy who was imprisoned uh, because of Watergate. He was part of the whole scandal with Richard Nixon. And he became a Christian while he was in prison. When he got out of prison, uh, there were reporters around. And uh, one of the reporters asked him this. They said, hey, uh, Mr. Colson, what are you going to say to people who say that you found Jesus in order to get early release? And Chuck Colson looked at the guy and he gave him a two-word answer. He said simply this, watch me. Watch me. In the context of this verse, what he was saying is, listen to the sound my life makes from now on. Right? You will see. So this is my question. Does anybody know that you are a follower of Jesus? Does everybody know that you are a follower of Jesus? That's the first sound you can make. The second sound is what I call an expected sound. Uh, I read this book a while ago. It's called Unchristian, uh, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity and Why It Matters. It's written by the Barna Group, and the Barna Group are known for uh, you know, gathering data. They take a lot of surveys. And what they said was people who are not Christians view Christians a particular way. These are some of the chapter titles. This was a hard book to read. It says, uh, people who are not Christians think Christians are hypocritical, anti-homosexual, too political, whew, whew. okay, judgmental. And the judgmental part it says this, nearly nine out of 10 young outsiders, 87%, say the term judgmental accurately describes present-day Christianity. Respondents to our surveys believe Christians are trying consciously or not to justify feelings of moral and spiritual superiority. Right? So, Listen, if everybody knows that you are a follower of Jesus, that you are a Christian, but they all feel like you are judgmental or hypocritical or too political, that you talk way too much about politics, that's not the sound that Paul is talking about. That's not the sound that Paul wants to hear. It's not the sound that Jesus wants to hear. Right? It's a dangerous thing when we become the kind of people that people go, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, they're Christians. And then they feel worse about this. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago who goes to this church. And he started the paragraph by saying this. Two of my favorite people at work are lesbians. And I stopped him. I said, wait, say that again. He said, two of my favorite people. And I know, the reason I, I had him stop is because I know that this guy wants his friends to come to know Jesus because he believes that Jesus has a better plan for their life and a better plan for their sexuality than they do. So that wasn't the issue. But I loved that he called them two of his favorite people. 
Because I was thinking if more Christians talk like that about people that may not know Jesus, then fewer people would think of us as judgmental, hypocritical, too political, or anti this or anti that. So that's the second kind of sound you can make. You can make an expected sound. The third is a surprising sound. This is what Paul says. uh, He says it in verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. There's a scene in Saving Private Ryan where Tom Hanks is dying, right? And and, uh, Matt Damon, who plays Private Ryan, is holding him in his arms. And the last words that Tom Hanks speaks, he says this to Matt Damon, earn this, earn this. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not saying live a life that is worthy so that you can earn God's great gift to you. That's not what he's saying. When he talks about a life worthy of the gospel, he's talking about a life that's saturated with the love of God, which is why it's so important with this. That's why I brought this sponge. The love of God is supposed to so saturate your life that when you come up from the love of God, every day when you go out from this church, you are so filled with the love of God that you just leak kindness and love and joy and grace and mercy. And whoever comes in contact with you ends up feeling those things. That's what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel. And that will be so surprising to people. Uh, Ken Probucky is a staff member here. He's the pastor of, of Group Life. And Ken came to us a couple years ago. It's his second profession. He was an attorney before he came to work for us. And uh, he actually had just become partner in his law firm. He was one of the youngest partners in the history of his law firm. And before he went to the managing partners to tell them that he was resigning and going to work at a church for us, He called us and said, please pray for me. I don't want this to be a bitter thing. I don't want to leave a bitter taste in their mouths. And he called us after his meeting with the managing partners. And he said, this is how it went. Every one of them said, oh, we get it. We get it. We can see this coming. We understand why you do that. You know what that means? That means that every one of them knew that Ken was a follower of Jesus. That's what that means. That's why it was no surprise. But then the chairman of the law firm said this to Ken. Listen, I think this is probably highly unlikely, but if you ever decide to leave what you're going to be going to do and you get back into law, our doors will always be open. Our door will, You know what he's saying? He said, we know that you're a follower of Jesus, but among us, you lived in such a way that your life was so saturated with the love of Jesus that we would love to have you back because our, our firm need, needs people like you. Your life makes a sound. No sound. An expected sound. Surprising sound. What sound does your life make? Second point. We're on a mission from God. That's a Blues Brothers quote, Right? Elwood, I think, made that. But this is what he says. That I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Those are, those are all action words. That's a, those are missional words. Standing side by side, striving for the faith of the gospel. 
Listen, there is something that can happen in a church. It's really easy for us to, to lose sight of the mission. The mission is this, that Jesus came on a mission to rescue people. That's Luke chapter 19. The Son of Man came, not, or came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus came to do. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends to heaven. Before he ascends, he gives his mission to his followers, to the disciples. And he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What he's saying literally is this, wherever you go, bring this good news. Wherever you go, make sure that people who do not yet know that I came for them and that through my life, death, and resurrection, they can be reconciled to a holy God. Make sure they know. And if you are a Christian today, it's because for 2,000 years, there's been an unbroken chain of churches that were on mission, of Christians who were on mission. And there are a couple of dangers if we become a church that loses that mission. And it's very easy to do, right? This is one of the, one of the dangers. We become like a team that practices all the time but never plays in a game. Right? We can practice and, and fall in love with practice, but just never play the game. And the reason that that can happen is because it's, it's so easy for a church like ours. Zach mentioned it last week, and I agree. The thing, one of the many things I love about you guys that I love about our church is that you, you love the Bible. That's why we have so many Bible studies. We have circle groups. We, we preach all that because you guys love the Bible, Right? The danger is that we become a church where we think that growing in our faith is our mission. That's not our mission. Our mission is to participate with Jesus to seek and to save the lost. Growing in our faith is a relationship like practice is to the game. You cannot play the game unless you practice, right? But you don't want to just be a team that practices because this is what will happen. If all we do is practice, eventually our teammates will become our opponents. Let me say it again. If we become a church and all we do is grow in our faith and we're never out reaching out to people who do not yet know Jesus, our teammates will become our opponents. There are a lot of churches that split because of that. We begin to argue about finer points of theology. Right? That's one of the great dangers. The second danger is that we have too much inhaling, not enough exhaling. And I say that because when, when I was training as an athlete, when I was young, uh, every once in a while I'd go running and I would get a stitch in my side. If you're a runner, you know what that feels like. And I remember at like 19, when I was playing basketball in college, I went to the trainer and I said, why, why am I getting that stitch in my side? And he said, oh, it's because you're not exhaling enough. You're inhaling, but you've got to work on exhaling. Because otherwise, if you inhale more than you exhale, it's going to cause kind of a, a buildup, and it's going to be kind of poison. It will hurt you, right? That's the stitch you feel. So if we become a church where we are doing so much growing in our faith, but not enough exhaling and touching other people, then it will do damage to each one of us. All right? So, listen... This is what is true, is that there's this, there's this connection. The more you study the Bible, the more you grow in your faith, the more you should be feeling like, I have got to reach people for Jesus. The more you reach out to people for Jesus, the more it will drive you to study the Bible. 
I get different emails uh, you know, during the week. I get really three types of emails. I get encouraging emails telling me what we're doing right as a church. I get discouraging emails telling me what we're doing wrong as a church. And I get panicky emails. And the panicky emails come from people who are sharing with somebody and they get a question and they don't know how to answer that question. So they write me and they say, hey, my friend just asked me this question. What should I tell them? Right? And out of the three types of emails, I like the third one best. I love those panicky emails because it shows me that somebody's out there. And it also shows me that they're growing deeper than they ever have. Because when you're sharing your faith, you'll be growing in your faith. All right? So that's we're on a mission from God. So first, your life makes a sound. And you need to be asking yourself, what kind of sound does my life make? Second, we are on a mission from God. But third, Paul says, don't let fear stop you. This is what he says in verse 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Listen, when I say that uh, we are on a mission from God, all that means, let me just define it for you. It means that wherever your life intersects with people who do not know Jesus, take Jesus with you. That's it. Wherever your life intersects with non-Christians, make sure you take Jesus with you. And our lives all intersect with non-Christians at work, in our neighborhood, in our hobby, on the golf course, in class, on a team, in our, uh, just everywhere. At the grocery store, you're always intersecting with non-Christians. Just take Jesus with you. But Paul knew already that, people, that we would be afraid of that. And there are two kind of things that can make you more afraid than you should be afraid. The first is that we tend to underestimate what the Holy Spirit is doing. We underestimate what the Holy Spirit is doing. And what I mean by that is this. You will never, ever make a cold call for Jesus. You never are the, you, the Holy Spirit always goes before you, is always working on the people that he is drawing you to or putting in your life. And when we underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit, we tend to overestimate the hostile response we could get when we try to share Jesus, right? We think, oh, they're going to go crazy, right? I had a friend, I have a friend named Kenton Thompson. Kenton and I have been friends for a lot of years. He played uh, tennis in college. He's about my age. He's played tennis his whole life. And he has like uh, these guys that he's been playing tennis with for about 20 years. And uh, he, they all know that he is a follower of Jesus, but Kenton never knew how to bring Jesus with him. And Kenton is one of our elders, and because he's one of our elders, he knows about this mission that we are saying we have to be involved in, so he decided to take a chance. And he went to the eight guys that he plays the most with. And he said to them, hey, listen, guys, I was just wondering, would any of you be interested in um, having a Bible study with me? You know, it's kind of like, to his surprise, all eight guys said, absolutely. We don't know anything about the Bible. We would love to study the Bible. Can you tell us about the Bible? One of the guys even said, hey, what are you going to do about all the other guys in our club that find out we're having a Bible study and you didn't invite them? <laughs> and Ken was going, well, invite them. Now I get the most panicky emails from Kenton. <laughs> and I love that. 
This is true, right? You will either be more like Jesus or less like Jesus by the end of this year. You will either be more in love with him or your heart will be colder toward him by the end of the year. That's why we started this whole thing we call CCC and three. We want every single person who goes to this church to know what their next step is if they decide to take a next step. CCC means worship. You can check that box off. You are here worshiping. When you're ready to take the next step in growing closer to Jesus, find a place to serve. We call that CCC and one. When you have worship and you are serving and you're ready to take the next step in falling more deeply in love with Jesus, then get involved in biblical community, join a circle. We call that CCC and two. And when you are serving and involved in a circle and you're ready to take that next step, then we want you to think through the group that you are intersecting with that is not yet Christians and how to bring Jesus to that group. Uh, I had, you all have a card. If you didn't get a card like this on your way in, you can grab one on the way out. This is actually taken right from our reimagined class. And what I want you to do in taking this, you know, I gave you an example of Kenton, and you can fill that out if you want. But the biggest thing, it says, where are you connected? The thing that I want you to write there, if you don't do anything else from this message, write down the people that you know that your life intersects with that do not yet know Jesus. And begin to pray about how you can bring Jesus with you into that group. All right? Listen, we want you to be more like Jesus. We want you to fall more deeply in love with Jesus. Your life makes a sound. It really does. What kind of sound do you want it to make? We are on a mission from God, given to us literally from Jesus. Don't let fear stop you from doing what Jesus calls you to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you, and uh, I think all of us want to live a life worthy of the gospel. You, have, uh, you lived in our place, died in our place, resurrected, so that we can be reconciled to God. You have, you have showered us with your love. We want to saturate ourselves in your love and then go out into our community with love and kindness and joy and mercy and grace. We want our lives to make a sound that is beautiful, that will draw people to you. I pray that you'll help us to do that. I pray for every single one of us. I pray for us as a church that we will be more of what you want us to be by the time this year ends than we are right now. For your glory and for your sake. We pray this in your name. Amen.